So here's the thing. This episode will be a little bit different. Rather than breaking down a topic in a short five-minute rant um, and giving my thoughts, um, I thought that I would do a response or sort of counter-opinion slash analysis into the most recent episode of Sam Harris's podcast. Um, this episode was entitled Beyond the Politics of Race. His guest was Coleman Hughes, who is a, uh, um, a writer of sorts. Um, he's an undergrad at uh, Columbia University, I believe. Um, he's actually quite well-spoken and uh, articulate and um, has some interesting opinions. Um, and he and Sam Harris get into the topic of race obviously on this podcast um, and I think they had some there was some constructive uh, uh, realizations that came out of it I also think they completely missed the mark on a few topics uh, so I'm going to get into that a little bit and examine where I think uh, they missed the mark a bit and where I think some good points were made I do think it's interesting to note that uh, Sam did a bit of hemming and hawing regarding talking about race and the fact that his intentions could be misconstrued. And I, I do think it's sort of interesting that he felt the need to pref preface uh, the conversation this way. And I think it's a bit obtuse of him to sort of lament the fact that um, his intentions could be questioned. I kind of get into this a little bit later uh, based on some of the conversations that they had, but I just wanted to flag that real quick. I thought it was uh, very interesting. I, I definitely feel like even in spite of even giving him the benefit of the doubt, um, which which I do, I, I do uh, have great respect for Sam Harris as an intellectual, uh, but even giving him the benefit of the doubt with his intentions, I think it's a little bit um, it's a little bit strange. It's interesting to say the least that he doesn't get why his intentions could be would be questioned when tackling race, even with um, a black man. Um, okay, well, with that being said, let's just get into this first clip real quick. This is Coleman um, speaking right now. Uh, we're about to be speaking um, regarding his thoughts on on. Uh, the differences between how whites and blacks view things. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And the other irony here is that when you actually poll black people and ask them what they believe on any given topic, whether it's racial preferences or you know the influence of rap on society, you sometimes find astonishing results, which would be astonishing to some people, right? You know, I, we can get into these polls, but for example, Gallup did a poll in um, 2016 that found that over 50% of black people said that race should play absolutely no role in college admissions. So clear majority. Another poll back in 2008 found that 71% of black people said that rap was a bad influence on society. And I'm, I'm sure if you disaggregated that by age, you would find my grandparents' generation virtually unanimously hating rap and my dad's being lukewarm and then my generation being 
little more positive. But nonetheless, none of these views can be racist if the majority of black people hold them. Yeah, so that I thought was interesting. Um, and uh, that was one of the first things that I, I wanted to comment on. I, I think that, I mean, I understand where he's going with it. I understand the point that he's trying to make. But it's just false to say that a view cannot be racist if a white person holds it, or just because a white person sold it, if the majority of black people also hold the same view. Um, that doesn't really make sense. I don't think that holds water because, first of all, um, not because black people hold a view that affects or pertains to the black community doesn't mean that their view is correct. Okay. Secondly, people in the white community can hold this very same view as those in the black community for entirely different reasons. So to say that it's not racist for someone in the white for people, white people to hold the same view as, as black people um, doesn't really make sense as a standalone statement. I'm not making the claim that it is racist. Like it, it automatically is racist regardless of whether or not black people agree with it. Of course, that's not true. Um, I'm just saying that it depends. It depends on the situation. It, depend, it really depends on individual to individual. Because again, two white people could hold the same view for different reasons. A white person could hold the view um, that hip hop music is is uh, detrimental to society, and another white person could hold the same view, and they could hold those views for entirely different reasons. Um, it, it doesn't mean that they're both racist. It doesn't mean that neither of them are racist. It could be that one of them is racist and one of them is not, or it could be that neither of them are. It could be that both of them are. Um, so it's it's a bit more complex than he's making it out to be. Um, so I, I just thought was the first thing I wanted to disagree with. And just to circle back a bit, um, this is Coleman uh, revisiting the topic of affirmative action. Yeah, well, there's a framing effect here too. So if you ask the question, do you support affirmative action? And you ask it that way, you'll get majority support among black people and if I'm not mistaken, you'll get a slight majority among white people too. But if you ask, if you just phrase it a different way, which is to say, if you just give a straightforward definition of what affirmative action entails, you get minority support among blacks, which is to say majority dissenting, right? So the 2016 poll I just cited, I think the, the way they phrased it is race, ethnicity, quote, should not be a factor at all in the college ad admissions process. So that seems to me an utterly clear definition of what affirmative action is. But if you just ask, there's a poll like one year earlier or one year later, I can't remember, that just asks it as affirmative action and gets a totally different result, which suggests to me that affirmative action has a kind of political halo around it. I do find it interesting that his conclusion is that there seems to be a halo effect around the term affirmative action, whereas I think the more obvious and simple conclusion to draw would be that perhaps people don't understand exactly what affirmative action entails. Um, it's, it's not uncommon for people who aren't necessarily politically or socially aware or active to 
have a vague or think they have a vague understanding of a concept. Um, but if they were asked to explain it, they would probably give a definition that were that was only half correct, if correct at all. Um, so I would I would argue that the the more likely explanation is that most people probably don't fully understand what affirmative action is, which would also kind of explain why it's such a divisive topic and why there are so many strong feelings on it. Um, I think just spelling things out for people is a better way to go in terms of getting their true opinion on it. Um, it, it leads to greater accuracy in terms of the actual uh, thoughts and feelings of, of, of the average person. Um, but again, I could be wrong. and It is entirely possible that it could just be a psychological thing where people do know what affirmative action is and um, when just asked a different way, they give a different response. That That is entirely possible. I'm not discounting that possibility at all. I just think it's more likely that people probably don't know what affirmative action is. Here, Coleman uh, cites some statistics that indicate in a fairly even split between or down the black community regarding uh, be, uh, who identifies as Democrat versus Republican. So um, despite the over the fact that black people tend to overwhelmingly vote for Democrats, there seems to be a clear indication that approximately half of black Americans are Republicans. Uh, so he, he discusses why he believes this is and the reason for this disparity. And opinion about why it is that blacks vote so overwhelmingly Democrat, despite Despite being evenly split between liberal and conservative, is that there is a sense that the Democratic Party is the party that stands up for civil rights. It could be as simple as the fact that Lyndon Johnson happened to be president during the 60s, but I, I don't think it's just that. My gut tells me it's also just the fact that if you put a true neo Nazi in front of me and just ask me to bet on who he voted for in the last election, I could win money all day betting that he voted for a Republican. And that proximity to the truly racist fringe of the Republican Party at least seems to sully that whole half of the political spectrum as far as many black people are concerned. I can't really say that I disagree here. Uh, he does bring a good point. The, the, the fact that there seems to be a, a clear marriage between the far right, the alt right, the nationalists, openly racist, and the Republican Party. Um, that relationship clearly exists. And of course, um, there are a large number of Republicans and those that identify as being mostly on the political right that are not racist. We understand this. Um, however, the fact that those who are racist tend to overwhelmingly identify with being on the right to the tune of maybe almost 100%. I, I don't know, but it's, it's amazing how much or how large a percentage that group tends to identify with the right. And not only do they identify with the right, it's rare that 
even the moderates on the right will completely disavow them. Um, so they they seem to have a home there on the right, and that that is problematic. Um, that relationship is problematic for for black people. It, it's difficult to vote Republican when that's the association in your mind. It's also difficult to trust Republicans at all when you know that um, someone who is racist is also likely to be Republican, even though a Republican is not necessarily likely to be racist. So it, it is an interesting dynamic, um, and one for which I'm not sure that there is an easy, easy solution to, but I would, I would argue that it would be, um, the onus would be on those of the moderate, the moderate Republicans, those are, that are more centrist, right-leaning, to sort of create that distance. I think it would be in the best interest of that party. Okay, so this is another great talking point. Coleman directly addresses what racism is really, and specifically uh, the Starbucks incident as an example. But if someone, you know, if someone behaves in a way that I find objectionable, but hasn't said anything racist, I think people tend to make these kind of subconscious claims about other people's motives. They, they tend to mind read a lot. And instead of attacking what you say, they impute motives onto you. So what is the bright line? I guess it's just behavior that is clearly racially skewed. I mean, you could look at an instance like the Starbucks fiasco recently, where two black men were arrested for going into a Starbucks, not paying for anything, asking to use the bathroom. And it just seemed like it was too quick. The fact that the worker at Starbucks called the cops on them, it just seemed too quick to not have been racially motivated at all. And on some level, we just can't know. So it's hard to actually be agnostic because the incentives are just to have an opinion, right? If you go out on Twitter and you say, well, I don't know. I actually don't have an opinion on whether that was racist then you'll be accused of equivocating about racism. So I think he raises a good point here um, about the only truth that you can really find in most of these situations or really pretty much any given situation where you suspect racism uh, may be a factor is to be agnostic. I mean, this is absolutely true. It's difficult to really... Uh, dispute this. What I would add to that, 